I've listened to I Am by Earth, Wind, and Fire for a year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Everybody and welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me, do you remember? It's Connor. It's you and I. <laughs> That's right. Look at you letting your feelings show. That's what happens when you're in a boogie wonderland. Mm-hmm. Are you in a boogie wonderland? I thought you were in the stone. I I, I want to be in the boogie wonderland, but I just can't let go. Oh, okay. If you were in the stone. <laughs> You could rock that. <laughs> you only get to go to the Boogie Wonderland uh, after the love is gone. Oh, that's sad. Wow. <laughs> Wait. I don't know how to incorporate the last one. We're so close. <laughs> <laughs> you really just ended it with just wait. <laughs> I did. I didn't give you much of a... Oh, no, no. Okay. Hey, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Hit, it, hit me with it again. Wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's wait for that uh, shooting star to pass. Rough. That was rough. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Earth, Wind, and Fire this week. It's been a while since we've done a bit like that. What do you know about Earth, Wind, and Fire? I think this is another record that is potentially, potentially closer to up your alley what makes you say that well i don't know it's just uh it's kind of classic rock but also it's got a lot of horns and brass the things that you've liked Mm, that's true a lot of funk a lot of rhythm a lot of drums and a lot of ballads to be honest not a lot a lot but a good couple nice slow love songs yeah that's true did you know any i don't remember oh you don't remember well Maybe you should listen to them on the 21st night of September. Oh, that's the... I should also mention that at, at the early part of the episode. I did know that song. <laughs> yes, everybody knows September. So we're talking about the entire album, I Am, by Earth, Wind & Fire. But we're also, at the end, going to talk a little bit about September. Because James can't not. I can't not. It's true. This episode is coming out on the very first night of September, uh, which is regrettably not the 21st night of September. <laughs> you really you really screwed the pooch on that one. Well, but our closest episode would be coming out on the 20th of September. So if you had to remember the 21st night of September on the 20th of September, like that's as far away from it as you can get. Well, that's why you do it the week after. Well, but then it's like a week late. I feel like we've missed the 21st night of September. Yeah, so you gotta remember back. No, all the hype would have died down. So we're just doing the first night of September. It's comparable. But the reason we can also, I feel like, do that a little bit is because it was never actually on an album. It was a single, and its first appearance on an album was a Greatest Hits album. So I thought, let's just talk about I Am, which I really like, and then we'll throw a little extra September on there. But yeah, everybody knows September. Yeah. What do you know about Earth, Wind, and Fire? If you don't remember whether you know their music, do you know anything about them? Because I honestly sure didn't. And even after I knew their music, I still didn't until I started looking into this episode. So I learned a lot this week. Uh, I really don't know anything. Well, perfect. You're about to know some things. Also, I mean, still not everything, but a little more. Earth, Wind & Fire is interesting because they're almost like this R&B dance funk collective, right? It's not really necessarily a set in stone band. There are dozens of... Of members that they've had over the years and at least nine active members to this day right now which does not include their prolific horn section which also kind of operates as its own separate entity and plays alongside other artists so there's a lot of history and tradition and legacy in earth wind and fire and it's really cool and we'll get into it but wow it's neat are you ready ready to step into the time machine yeah 
All right. What year do you want to go to? Uh, 2069. That's forward. It's, it's only a backwards time machine. Oh, well, you didn't tell me that. Uh, well, in that case, I guess, I mean, I still want it to be in 69, so I guess I'll just go to 1969. Good. That's actually the only year it was going to go to. Oh, well, then I got lucky. It's a one-way, one-year time machine. Oh, <laughs> can't even come back? No. Well, we'll get back eventually. We just have to take the long way. We got to take the long way? And talk about it. Yeah. Gotcha. So we'll be, like, super old by the time we finish this episode. Well, probably 15 minutes or so by the time we finish talking about Earth, Wind, and Fire. But we'll find out. Anyway, right now, the year is 1969. Drummer Maurice White is tired of doing session work. He wants to write his own music. So he calls up his buddies, Wade Flemons and Don Whitehead, and they start writing music together, a lot of which was for local TV commercials in Chicago, their hometown. Capitol Records starts to take notice of these jingle writers. A lot of jingle writers in our history, too. Isn't that such a neat gateway to music? I'm great at jingles. I'm sure you are. Can you make one up on the spot right now? Sure. Give me a topic. Give me a thing to make a jingle for. Mm. Earth, wind, and fire? <laughs> Just, you know, off the cuff. Here we go. Okay. Do, do, do. Earth, wind, and fire. Okay. I think that was pretty good. I think that was pretty good. Hit me with another one. Another one? Yeah. What about water? Water is excluded from earth, wind, and fire. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Off the cuff. Do, do, do. Water. Mm. I think that's pretty good. Hit me with another one. Okay. What about the salty peppers? Ooh, the salty peppers. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I got a good one for them. Do, do, do. The salty peppers. That's pretty good. And that may actually have been the jingle that the band used when Capitol Records signed the trio as the salty peppers. <laughs> Back in 1969. Do, do, do. Natural segue. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> I think you should not quit your day job, but that's okay. I think I can make a lot of money just writing jingles. Yeah. I've got a ton of them. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. An endless stream of jingles. An endless stream. <laughs> All hits, no misses. No misses whatsoever. <laughs> well, just like their jingles, their singles were pretty good hits, mostly regional hits. They didn't really catch on to the larger national audience. So they decide to mix it up a little bit. Maurice White moves across the country to Los Angeles, starts expanding the Salty Peppers with vocalist Sherry Scott, producer Yaakov Israel, and his bass-playing brother, Verdine White. And that gets them signed to Warner Brothers Records. But, of course, the Salty Peppers name had to go. It was not going to work out. It's not a very appealing name. Honestly, I don't even want to eat Salty Peppers, let alone, like, listen to them. But Maurice White has always been into astrology, as a lot of the band's work kind of shows. You know, it's very celestial in nature. Like, you know, on this very album, we've got the song Star. <laughs> so... Yeah, he's uh, actually a Sagittarius, which I guess is primarily supposed to be fiery. But seasonally, Sagittarius includes like earth and air qualities, depending on the hemisphere and the time of year. I'm not too into astrology, so I'm mostly just parroting what I looked up about Sagittarius and why he decides to name the band. So he puts all three elements of that Sagittarius together, earth, wind, and fire. He says that's a great name, but guess what? The band is still not big enough. Auditions are open, so people start lining up. They bring in guitarist Michael Beale, woodwind player Chester Washington, trumpeter Leslie Drayton, and trombonist Alex Thomas. If you're keeping track, we're up to 10 members at this point. And they debut with a self-titled record, Earth, Wind, and Fire, in 1971 to rave reviews. They've done it. They've broken through. This record reaches number 24 on the Billboard Soul Albums chart. 
and it earns gold certification in France. Critics really love their vocal harmonies, their blend of styles. One Detroit critic, in an effort to try and find out how to classify the band, he called them Afro-Gospel Jazz Blues Rock. That's where he landed. And honestly, fair. I don't think there is a single umbrella that can really cover what Earth, Wind & Fire does. I tend to agree. And this time I will. Well, good. Yeah, I'm glad you agree this time. So they're riding the wave. They're getting big. They decide to create a film soundtrack. They do a sophomore album called The Need of Love. It's still 1971. They're staying busy. And of course, the band expands and contracts some more. Members join. Members leave. The collective starts to take shape as a collective kind of thing. One of the big things that happens in this time is the foundation of the EWF Horns, later known as the Phoenix Horns, P-H-E-N-I-X. Its earliest iteration includes Don Myrick on the saxophone, Romley Davis and Michael Harris on the trumpet, and Louis Louis Satterfield on the trombone. It's the Earth, Wind & Fire horn section. They're all obviously very proficient with their craft and their instrument, and they carved out a really interesting niche for themselves with these very loud, punchy, rhythmic brass parts in their work. I mean, you can hear a ton of that throughout this record, as well as, you know, prominently on September. The horns tend to smack you right in the face. Which I'm sure you loved or hated. Yeah. Oh, or loved. <laughs> <laughs> it was loved. Loved is good. They also start to incorporate instruments like the notorious soprano sax, the flugelhorn, and more. They branch out in their brass. Not to mention they really develop a penchant for well-voiced solos. Uh, a lot of people point to the one on After the Love Has Gone as a particularly impressive example. Anyway, the Phoenix Horns originally would play with Earth, Wind, and Fire until 1987 when a newer horn section, confusingly called the Earth, Wind, and Fire Horns, replaces them. In the meantime, they also worked very prominently with Phil Collins on his 1981 Face Value album, the one that we didn't talk about, but almost did. So... Earth, Wind & Fire keeps changing, keeps releasing albums. By 1979, they've put out eight studio albums and hit singles like Mighty Mighty, Shining Star, Sing a Song, Get Away, Serpentine Fire, and of course, the ever-iconic September. And in 1979, they put out their ninth studio album in eight years, more than one a year. That album is today's subject, I Am. At this point, to record I Am, the band consists of nine members, which is a lineup that actually lasted from 1973 to 1981, and everyone kind of plays a little bit of everything. There's singers, there's kalimbas, drums, congas, synths, mini moogs, guitars, brass of all kinds, a sitar, a saxophone. There's just a lot of talent and a lot going on with this lineup. Multi-instrumentalists and creatives out the wazoo. And I Am, of course, epitomizes that same kind of funk, soul, R&B, jazz, gospel blend that has defined the group really since their inception. More than half of I Am's nine tracks were singles, five of them. After The Love Is Gone, Boogie Wonderland, In The Stone, Star, and Can't Let Go. And really, the singles performed great. After The Love Is Gone reached number two on the Billboard Hot 100. It earned a Grammy nomination for Record of the Year and a Grammy win for Best Vocal R&B Performance by a Duo or Group. Boogie Wonderland also charted at number two on the Soul Chart, number six on the Hot 100, and earned a Grammy nomination for Best Disco Recording and Best R&B Instrumental Performance. And critics loved, once again, the instrumentals. The Baltimore Sun called it faultlessly produced. So people are loving the music and the sound, but people were not quite as sold on the lyrics, which kind of naturally take a back seat in general. 
They're not egregious, though. I think while the lyrics aren't necessarily the focal point of many or any of these songs, definitely they don't hurt what's going on. I think you can overlook them. I don't know. Was that the sense that you got? Only time will tell. Can't give away all my thoughts. No, but you can give away some of them. I gave away some of them already. Yeah, but some more, maybe. Don't get greedy. Just sprinkle in a little thinking. Don't get greedy. Okay. Counterpoint. Get generous. The lyrics are all right. All right, solid thought. I can't believe that convinced you. Don't go asking for more. Not yet. We'll see. The well has run dry. Generosity <laughs> is gone. Oh, no. It's because there's only earth, wind, and fire. We don't have any water. <laughs> the well is dry. Well, we'll get there. As a whole, I Am would top the Soul album chart and land at number three on the Billboard 200. It would also perform pretty well internationally in Norway, the UK, Sweden, Japan, and Finland. Scandinavia really likes Earth, Wind, and Fire, I guess. Today, the album has been certified platinum in Canada, the Netherlands, and the UK, and in America, I Am has gone double platinum. Also a fun trivia tidbit about I Am, Steve Lukather from Toto is back once again, (laughs) and he gets to play on this record a little bit. And actually, Toto's Steve Porcaro helped programming synthesizers. It's another record that Toto is all over. Heck yeah. Unreal. It's another Little Wayne effect. Toto's been there all along. <laughs> yes. We didn't talk about Toto, like, at all, and then all of a sudden they're just everywhere. They've always been ever-present. Toto forever. They've been busy. So after I Am, the time machine, you know, we're, we're progressing. The band starts to shift with the times in the 1980s. They start to lean into more of the electronic side of music that's starting to develop then from their 11th record onward. In 1984, Maurice decides to take a break. Earth, Wind, and Fire goes on hiatus for a few years. Members split up and work on solo projects, which include both recording and producing. White himself works on Barbara Streisand's record Emotion, Ramsey Lewis's Fantasy, and more. Ralph Johnson did some producing for The Temptations. The Temptations! (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Earth, Wind, and Fire got back together after the break in 1987. They've got their 14th record called Touch the World. They continued to make music and tour throughout the decades. In 2016, though, Maurice White passed away at the age of 74 from Parkinson's. He earned a posthumous Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. And during the ceremony, Stevie Wonder and Pentatonix both artists we've talked about in our 20s and episode 30, uh, they came together and they sang That's the Way of the World in his memory. So that's very sweet. In total, Earth, Wind & Fire would release 21 studio albums in the span of just four decades from 1971 to 2014. There were also more than 24 compilation albums put out of the band's greatest hits, four of which charted as well. They continue to tour to this day and honestly probably still will for a long time to come. And I would love to go see them sometime. They actually did a tour, I want to say not long ago, but it's probably been a while, but they toured with Chicago and like co-toured. I think that'd be a great show. So if they ever do that again, I'll go. Well, you know who else they just toured with? Uh, I remember hearing about it, but I forget. All right. We talked about how we're in our moon era, right? Yeah. And I figure all their celestial stuff is going to keep us there this week. Star and whatnot. Yeah. But also we seem to be in a bit of a, in a Santana era. That's it. That's right. Since we've done that episode, we haven't been able to shake him either. It's true. Just here back in like 2022, they did a tour with Santana. That's why I knew about it too, because I saw it on the Santana episode. And then again, when I was researching for this one, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. wild. Well, EWF, their legacy and their impact on music has been immense. Covers of their music have been made by Whitney Houston, Taylor Swift, Kirk Franklin, Chicago, like we just said, uh, Winona Judd, Shaka Khan, and more. Their work has been sampled 
by Drake, A Tribe Called Quest, episode 80, what, 6, Snoop Dogg, Public Enemy, The Roots, Tupac, Jay-Z, Big Sean, and more. And plenty of people claim Earth, Wind, and Fire as a significant influence, including Beyonce, 96, we talked about her in episode 96, Prince, The All-American Rejects, Outcast, Usher, Pharrell Williams, and more. It's wild. Producer of Legend, Quincy Jones, remember him? You could say no, it's okay. No. No, I didn't think so. Quincy Jones, the producer that worked with Michael Jackson and all kinds of other people, he said he was the biggest fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire since day one. And as for their accolades, you know, let's uh, let's group it up here. Let's start with Halls of Fame. They got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2000, the Vocal Group Hall of Fame in 2003, the NAACP Image Award Hall of Fame in 1994, the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2003, they got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1995, Berklee College of Music has conferred honorary doctorates to Maurice White and Philip Bailey, that happened in 2008, and as for their straight up award wins, they've got four American Music Awards on 12 nominations, seven Grammys on 17 nominations, including those awards for Shining Star, Boogie Wonderland, After the Love is Gone, and more, plus a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2016. And in 2011, they earned a Soul Train Legend Award. In 2019, September earned its spot in the National Recording Registry for its historical and cultural significance. And they also have some very unique awards that I believe are firsts for this podcast. In 2012, Earth, Wind & Fire earned a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Trumpet Awards, which is awesome. Do you know about the Trumpet Awards as a former trumpeter? Um, I don't know if I have. I'm sure I probably have, but... You didn't, like, aspire, like, your dream when you were in Little Middle School Band wasn't to win a Trumpet Award? Can't say it was. Wow. That could have been you. They also earned a Beacon of Change Award from Major League Baseball. I don't... I looked into this long and hard, and I don't really know why Major League Baseball decided to award... R&B, funk, soul, gospel, jazz, blues, rock band, earth, wind, and fire with an award from baseball. But they did. Because why not? Because why not? Exactly. That's a home run. And that, of course, brings us to present day. We made it. The time machine worked. Present day. Now let's go back and do it again. No, let's not. Let's not, though, because then... Hit the button! No! <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, now we got to play Factor Spin from 1969. Oh, we can work our way forward. During Factor Spin. We can go in chronological order. Yeah. I like that. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I like it, too. Sure. Well, let's get him out here and do that. If the mixtape is ready, then we can play a five-decade, six-decade-old round of Factor Spin. Five and a half. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Hello, mixtaper. How you doing in this fine year, 1969? I'm a star. There, see? Oh, that's how you worked in star. How Connor could have worked in star. I'm better than him. That's why I'm the star. Ah, yes. Well. I also make better jingles than him. (laughs) Nope, we're not going down that road. That's okay. (laughs) You sure? For once, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) I'm a master jingle artist. You're a master jingler? Yeah. So the last two weeks have been pretty hard on you first you know two weeks ago we had journey where that's the one thing connor's better at me than factor spin he's got my number <laughs> yeah he must you lost three to one there oh that was rough including you lost 25 out of 25 on your clever really ingenious little game steve or perry yeah 
It's a pretty good game. It was. Then, Brooks and Dunn last week, you got a hit on that first spin you threw out, and then I got you the rest of the time. So I I think you're you're owed one this week. I really I'm owed several. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Well, do you want me to take it easy on you? I can I can try and throw it. Yes, that's what I've been begging for. <laughs> okay, I'll try I'll try and throw the Earth, Wind, and Fire episode. Let's see how we do. Please don't. No, no. You okay. know what? No. Oh see, you didn't like it when Connor did it. You don't like it when I do it either. There's a level of honor to this game. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm nothing if not integrous. That's right. <laughs> we all play with integrity around here. And so in chronological order, since we got to take the uh, take the time machine back to the present. Oh, that's right. So you have your facts in chronological order. Yeah. They had a pretty magical show. Um, like a magical concert? Or are you about to tell me they did a magic show? Knowing you really could be either. It's both. Both? Did they have a magic show during their show? That's what I'm telling you. Awesome. Okay. What kind of tricks? Did they do the tricks or did they have a magician come and do tricks in their presence? They did the tricks. No. Okay. What kind of tricks did they do? They did things from making themselves levitate on stage while performing. Jeez. Teleporting up into a pyramid above the crowd. Wow. The time machine thing really is working out for this fact. That's like part of it. Yeah. Pretending to get crushed by speakers. Oh, jeez. Okay. And you said they had a magical show. Are you just talking about their stage act in general was very magical? Yeah. Yeah, it was very magical. I just didn't know if this was like a specific or special performance or if this was just like their normal thing. No, this is their normal thing. They were the first stage band to incorporate magic into their shows. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. So these tricks you, you talked about sound really complicated, right? Yeah. Di- like levitating, disappearing. Did they come up with these? Whose idea were these tricks? How'd they get that to happen? Well, Maurice White was actually part of the Magician's Guild. What? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. But yes, they contracted, they hired magicians to design their shows for them. Specifically, they got Doug Henning to design it along with a young David Copperfield. Whoa, really? One of David Copperfield's first gigs in magic was designing Earth, Wind, and Fire's magic shows. That's awesome. That's what I'm claiming. You said really as well, if right. you were like wanting confirmation that that was true. Yeah, I won't get that till the end. I like it. He likes it. And honestly, I believe it. I well, I have a little trouble with this David Copperfield thing you just said. Oh. That's definitely a big name that I think would either be a reason that you know this or like you'd use to try and lend it credibility, but could be a lie. But I totally believe the part of them like doing magic at their shows. That seems, I mean, on brand. I'm going to say it's true. Locking in true. Yeah, locking in that this is a fact. This is a true fact. Oh, right. Oh, no, I was supposed to throw this. <laughs> no, we agreed you weren't going to do that. Oh, you're right. Yay. Well, you're still, your goal is still to go 50-50. Okay, right. Well, I'm halfway there. I guess I'd be halfway there no matter what just happened. <laughs> you're, well, you're a quarter of the way there if there's four of them. Yeah, well, that's true. Right, I've got half of one category that I need. Yeah. Okay, so really, David Copperfield did the magic for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, for one of his first gigs. Awesome. That actually leads me into my next fact pretty pretty nicely. Ooh. They had a pretty magical show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Not this again. So, is this one, you know, are you talking about just a general stage show, or are you talking about a specific performance? Specific performance this time. This one's a specific one. Okay, what was so magical about it? Did they get to perform with somebody? Was there a guest there? Was it sentimental? They got to perform for somebody. Oh, was it for a magician? Yeah. Really? Who? Was it David, David Copperfield? Copperfield? <laughs> no. No. Darn it. 
But they performed while he made them disappear in front of a 20,000 fan crowd. Wow, that is a pretty magical show. That's <laughs> totally not what I expected. They are, okay, on a, on a platform, on a stage, I presume. Yeah, they were on stage performing, and David Copperfield made them disappear. He does, yeah, so... And made them reappear like the back of the theater, still performing. I have seen David Copperfield live, and it blew my mind. Which I'm so jealous of. I know. Well, I can believe that this would be a thing. That's He's very much... He did a couple different tricks like that, where something would appear in a place it shouldn't be, or especially in the back of the room. He's the disappearing man guy. He's known for making things disappear. Right. And reappear. Yeah. I mean, Statue of Liberty, elephants, cars. Right. So that was my next thing. When he made the Statue of Liberty disappear... He just sat everyone on a rotating platform and then the platform rotated and they looked somewhere that wasn't the Statue of Liberty (laughs) and they were like, whoa. But that's really clever because they didn't realize they rotated. (laughs) It is. And it's, I mean, mega impressive. So how, what's the illusion like for Earth, Wind and Fire? Does he throw a sheet over them? Does it go dark? Like what happens? How does this play out? I don't know. I couldn't find a video of it. No, because that's generally not a thing they let you do. Hmm, 20,000 people saw this? Yep. That's an arena. That's an arena of people. Yep. Oh, that's hard. And was this like an exchange thing? Because I almost asked if they played for David Copperfield because he did magic for them. I almost said in the last fact, did they exchange? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they seem to have always had a pretty good relationship with him. I would appear so. I'm going to say that this is also a fact. Also a fact. Yeah, I think he... Oh, but you could just lie about this. If they had a tie to David Copperfield, why wouldn't you lie about this? Locking in fact? No, 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 no. I'm going to lock in spin. Locking in spin. Yeah, uh-huh. As soon as I said wow. it, I was thinking, I was like, if they do have a tie to David Copperfield, I feel like whether he did a trick with them or not, that'd be an easy thing for you to lie about. And it's not like a super... I mean, it is a really cool sounding trick and complicated to perform probably, but like also he could do that with anybody or anything. And so I feel like you just took a trick that you know that he does that you like and maybe snuck Earth, Wind and Fire in there because you thought I would think that it was true after making the connection between them in the last fact. Maybe. But anyway, I think it's a spin for that reason. Fair enough. Well, I'll have you know, this was not the order I was going to give them in, but because Connor hit the time machine, uh, this was the order I had to give them to you in. (laughs) Oh. Regardless, this is a true fact. Oh, I thought you were trying to pull a fast one on me. Talked yourself out of it. I did. Well, I believed everything about it, except that you told me. (laughs) If, If it had been in the other order. I probably still wouldn't have believed it, maybe. Or I wouldn't have believed the next one. I don't know. This would have played out the same either way. Fair enough. Well, now you're 50% of the way to there. You're right. You're right. I, I like the magic fact. That's good. I wouldn't be surprised if it continues. You mean with fact number three, which is they had a pretty magical show? Yep, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> a pretty magical show. Awesome. Are you talking about a specific performance? Yeah. I was going to say they almost all have to be about specific performances now since you've spoiled the general magic. Well, this is a series of performances. I guess. When did the David Copperfield thing happen, by the way, as, as far as the time machine goes? When he was still working for them. Oh, wait. This is as he was transitioning wait. into being his own performer, but he was still like working with them. So that's why they had the connection. Right. So the people are like, so 20,000 people are there to see Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah. And he's like, and David Copperfield walks out and says, hey, I'm their stage tech. Also a magician, watch this. And then all of a sudden, nobody can see Earth, Wind, and Fire, who they're there to see. And they're like behind them. I'd love to imagine that's how that went, but I'm sure it was a little more 
like they've been doing magic all show and then he comes out and he gets his thank you and then gets to do a trick or something you know it's probably something more like that <laughs> oh that's true okay you're right that makes a lot more sense but i don't know my brain sometimes immediately jumps to the most illogical way that things could play out understandable anyway so this is another specific performance another magical show what makes this one magical well what's not magical about ice skating <laughs> <laughs> okay so they performed on ice skates yeah earth wind and fire on ice <laughs> I love that because it incorporates the water element that's been missing from their name forever. Oh, it does. I'm skeptical of how big you reacted to that. <laughs> feels like you already at least knew that was the case. I'm playing mind games with you. Yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire on Ice. Awesome. Is this like a tour that they do? Uh, Well, this was a limited run of performances they did. Okay, like a residency kind of thing. Yeah. Did they know how to ice skate? Did they have to learn? They didn't really do much ice skating from what i gathered oh they just stood on the ice it's literally just earth wind and fire on ice they had a piano and some horns and you know they stood on ice it's like the disney on ice you know sometimes uh they're not all on skates they're all we're on like things that move around no because some of them are lightning mcqueen <laughs> that is pretty magical how long did this run and how many tickets did they sell don't know how many tickets they sold but it was a month-long residency where ask me when <laughs> okay when uh 1981 okay Good, good. The time machine's working. <laughs> I don't really, I guess, know. Where do they do Disney on Ice when it's not touring? I don't think they do. I assume it does it somewhere. I think it tours and then it doesn't. Maybe they traveled and did it for a month. I don't know. I just assumed it was all in one place. Maybe it is. I don't know. So Earth, Wind, and Fire on Ice. This is funny. This is too funny. Too funny. So funny. This is either a really clever marketing ploy or a total lie. Or just a total lie. What's it going to be? It's the ice thing. It's earth, wind, fire, and water. I think, you know what you did with the yes episode where you said, I need to get him to believe they changed their name to no? <laughs> and I got you. I feel like on this one you're going, I need to get him to believe that water is a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. So you're locking in spin. Yes, you got me, and I'm not going to get God again. I'm going to lock in. Oh, but I'm halfway to 50-50. I can still afford to miss one. I think this is a spin. Going with spin. I think earth, wind, and fire on ice is bogus. You made it up because you wanted water the well was too dry and we needed <laughs> some kind of ice that's your final answer generally that's what locking it in means yeah well i, I gave you a key just in case sometimes you ask me <laughs> if i'm locking it in a couple different times but but then you give me the opportunity to like unlock yeah, yeah i'm a generous jailer <laughs> awesome i love that phrase the generous uh, jailer this is a spin i knew spin. it and is it is it because you just wanted ice in there you wanted another element no it's it was another fan challenge oh when i asked for spins for this one they said find a way to incorporate water into their name and i was like i can't go directly water that's too obvious so i'll go ice make it a little clever awesome that was really clever i love that that was awesome <laughs> great challenge but yeah that brings us to our last one any guesses they once lost their seat on a plane to they a hat. once lost their seat on no they had a pretty magical show oh. <laughs> <laughs> i just you know it could have been yeah it could have been imagine maybe that's what the magical show was again an individual show or i guess small limited series of shows uh no this was a one singular not even really performance it was a, it was like a one singular song, I guess. Oh, just like an appearance. What happens? What's magical about this one? Well, so this is what I would have done third, and then I would have ended with Earth, Wind, Fire on Ice. But you know, Time Machine. So we had to end here. So we're back with David Copperfield. Right. <laughs> he's back. It's really throwing you off. Oh, he's back. The man, the myth, the legend. He's been there their whole lives. Really though, because we're jumping 
pretty darn far into the present. How far? How present? To 2019. Oh. All the way from 1981 to 2019. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to your monologue. Did you mention their 2019 Kennedy Center honors? Actually, I don't think I did. Their list of awards was pretty extensive, but I don't think I mentioned the Kennedy Center. Yeah, he, uh, David Copperfield's the one that uh, honored them at the Kennedy Center in 2019. Oh, that's cool. So he's the one that like, presented them with the honors? Yeah. And you, it's a performance, an appearance? Did they play anything? Yeah, yeah. The three surviving members at that point, after the honors, they, they performed a song with David Copperfield. What was the song... And what was Copperfield's role in it? Boogie Wonderland. Boogie Wonderland. And did he do tricks during it? Did he sing? No, there was no magic in this one. What's he doing? And he played the conga drums. Oh, that totally subverted all my expectations. So this time the show is magical because a magician played in the band. Yeah, how the turns table. First, they're the magicians. <laughs> then they are acted upon by a magician. Then the magician <laughs> enters the band but doesn't do magic. Yeah, it's the circle of life. The linking ring of life. <laughs> Has he performed with them before or since? Is this like a true one-time thing? Uh, I don't know if he uh, performed with them at all. Probably not. Cannot say one way or the other. Sure. Shoot. I should have, for some reason, asked him about this when I saw him. Well, now you can just you know, you just have to go back. Good thing I have a time machine. <laughs> I think this is... It's almost too simple to be true. I feel like he could have presented them the honors. Mm, but then perform? I feel like, yeah, him performing, maybe it's just a, just a bridge too far. I think I'm going to say this one is a spin. Mm, locking it in? Yes, please. Want to take the shackles off? Maybe have some dinner and pie? No. <laughs> No, I'm I'm shackled up. Uh, I'm locked in. I think this is a spin. I'll remind you that your goal is to go 50-50. Oh, that's true. Would you like me to unshackle for some pie? I could go for some pie right now. <laughs> some, uh, you know, fact-flavored pie. <laughs> then in the, in the spirit of the year of healing, I suppose I'll change it to fact, but I just want you to remember this moment. This is me pulling the thorn out of the lion's paw. I'm just a... A mixtaper never forgets. He just lies about remembering. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a spin, you idiot. I can't believe you oh, fell no. for it, you big dummy. <laughs> oh, no. You're so dumb. I can't believe it. I should have just not unlocked. I tricked you. Got you to change your answer. How did I let this happen? Wow. Yeah, this is a spin. You pretty much nailed it right on the head, though. Uh, <laughs> he, had, he gave him the honors and told a story that I don't know if it was true or just like him telling a joke about playing the congas with them during Boogie Wonderland when he worked with them. Oh, Okay, so you might have got spun on yourself. Yeah, well, I couldn't confirm if that was just him telling a funny joke or if it was real or not. So I just decided to make it a spin by moving up the timetable, you know, mm. time traveling it to 2019. Sure. Well, great. That brings us back to the present. And we did it. 50-50. I got you that split week. 50-50. Naturally. And I played. I played almost <laughs> as hard as I could have. Didn't didn't hold back at all until I had no choice. Until ever. Ever. Well, with that, all that pie talk made me want real pie, so I think I'm going to go get some rhubarb pie. Rhubarb pie? Okay. I feel like there's lore behind that, but I don't remember. Go enjoy your rhubarb pie. There's not lore behind that um, that I'm aware of. <laughs> you just like rhubarb? Uh, I, I don't plan to eat it. No, I hate rhubarb. I'm actually allergic. What do you plan to do, or is it better that we don't know? It's probably best for everybody involved, too. 
you leave the dastard to his dastardly ways. Yeah, I, I think experience tells us that's true. Well, enjoy your pie, or don't. We'll never know. You're going to enjoy it, that's for sure. Yeah! Well, that's interesting. wonder what he meant by that. Are you certain you got all the cameras out of your apartment? <laughs> yes, maybe. I don't know. The mixtaper concerns me sometimes. Let's talk about the album art of I Am. What'd you think? I am going to talk about the album art. Oh, clever. I can wait. Is that the first time? I think that's the first time we made that joke this episode. Oh my goodness. Wow. I'm I'm impressed. I'm honestly proud of you. I'm honestly a little impressed and disappointed in myself at the same time. Yep. The feeling is mutual, but about you still. (laughs) I feel that way about me. Uh, Yeah. Well, the album art. It's, it's again, very inspired by religion. Both the album's title and his cover art. Spirituality, astrology, all of that goes into what I am is. I am itself is a phrase derived from the Bible's Old Testament. God talks to Moses, and the album cover features all these columns leading up to this massive bright star up in the heavens. So, you know, very big again into that astrology, astronomy, space-themed. So I, I consider this a continuation of the moon era in some ways. It's a very colorful cover, too. All the blues and greens. and Yeah, the bright white light in the middle. It's kind of got a weird moon look to it. It's true. It's rather moonish. Also, you know the first song's called In the Stone? Could be about the moon. It could, the moon is a stone. And the moon is a stone. It's true. We're still here. Just saying. Other uh, Earth, Wind & Fire album covers feature pyramids, thunderstorms, geometric shapes, statues, other iconography, other symbolism. You know, it's very steeped in that kind of mythos and tradition. Verdine White said, Maurice came up with the whole concept for the artwork. I think it really reflected our view of the world, the globalization of the world, the things that are happening today in the late 1970s, and what we see all over the world with wars and other things. We've always been conscious of what our worldview has been, so our album covers have always reflected that. Hence, columns and potential moon sighting. But yeah, like you said, the first track on the album is In the Stone. So you obviously knew a little bit of Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? So what, what did you what did you expect? Does In the Stone live up? It does. It absolutely does. It gets me in the mood for for this album fantastic did you know anything from this album prior i mean aside from maybe boogie wonderland i mean do we get the count september since we're talking about it yeah i think you can count september i was kind of that's a given and yeah boogie wonderland okay so in the stones new yeah that's exciting sounds like it's a winner in the stone i need to pull up the lyrics <laughs> well you know those three <laughs> it's a good song it's about how true love is permanent and unwavering and written in the stone here's the thing the lyrics are strong. They're good. It's just, I cannot divert my attention away from the absolute magic happening in the music to even care a little bit about the lyrics. I know. It's hard. It's so hard. The lyrics almost, like the singing almost is just another instrument. Like, this is almost an instrumental track with how, like, crazy the instruments are going. Oh, shoot. The whole album is darn near like that. And it's not, it's not to discredit the lyrics because they they hold their own when you dig into it a little bit, but yeah. I just cannot do it in the moment. It's such a rare album that can do that to me, but I am, and honestly, Earth, Wind, and Fire as a banded general just has that knack. This is the first time I think we've really gone this funky. Well, this is a funk album. <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a real funk right now, but not in a bad way. No, a good funk. We're in a, we're in a good this funk. This is a good funk episode, yeah. Like stinky cheese. You know what else is made of cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Well, for In the Stone, uh, co-writer Allie Willis told the story of, you know, writing it. She said, there was an original melody to it, and then when I heard the record itself, the background melody became the chorus. The real melody is in the background parts. 
And I remember being very upset about it because it went from being this unbelievable song to me to kind of being a feel. But the thing I love about In The Stone is that I absolutely love marching bands. So she calls In The Stone a marching band classic. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think it's the horns. I really think that's what takes it there. Yeah. And the drums in particular. Oh, yeah. Those are the big things. I particularly love the bridge on In The Stone. It, it kind of takes a second to back away, and then the horns just explode it right back out. You know what you don't hear? Any woodwinds? No woodwinds? Because they suck. I bet you do hear woodwinds. There's no uh, way. We talked about uh. how there's, like, saxophones in here. Ah, they're, they're wood wins but they're also kind of i mean have you ever seen a saxophone i could hear the air quotes in your voice (laughs) the saxophone is the least woodwindy woodwind i mean it's true you know they're an honorary brass yeah this seems like an unrelated rant yeah soapbox (laughs) step off the soapbox i just i just (laughs) triggered a whole war with the all the band listeners (laughs) yeah i just love the bass and the percussion on this song the production is so clean i feel like any any point in this song i could pick out and focus on any individual instrument at any given time and they're all doing something unique and captivating but you can hear it all so clearly it's i think darn near impossible to listen to this song and not be into it cool i know right and believe it or not in the stone is honestly a slower groove compared to what's next and that is can't let go can you let go I can't. I didn't think so. Because <laughs> it's in the stone. Just can't get it out. Can't get it out of the stone. Can't let go. It peaked at number 12 on the Blues and Soul charts in England. And it's all about how the speaker can't let go of a love that grows. It's healthy. We're thriving. Honestly, yes. Write it in the stone. Hold on to it. It's such a great song because it explodes into existence with this quick punch from the brass again. Yeah. This is an interesting one, too. This is a three and a half minute song. There are seven choruses in here seven yeah it's like twice a minute yeah what do you think is that too much no actually i was hoping you'd say that but again it's because i'm really not paying that much attention to the words i know just to the to the groove of it you get into the flow and it just takes you one of the things i think about can't let go i mean comparatively in the context of the album has a lot more energy than in the stone but i do think it has a little less atmosphere it's fun and it's funky and it's groovy but i really feel like in the stone has a little bit of that extra special sauce you know yeah but what a great second track i feel like i could listen to it on just loop i mean you think seven choruses isn't too much put this song on repeat and see how long it takes me to get tired of it i wonder how long that would be (laughs) to be honest it feels evergreen i know what we're about to do after this recording yeah (laughs) we'll find out we'll put it to the test and let you know when it just finally gets to be too much i just realized that's a face in the bright white light isn't it of the cover uh yeah on the right side of it is a side profile of a face looking left let me get a bigger picture pulled up and it looks like it's looking at like a fetus like a sick like a maybe a six-month baby oh it is (laughs) like that's absolutely what it is right i guess i never zoomed in on it that much it's totally (laughs) it's totally uh face and a baby and well you know what okay that adds to the symbolism again with the Uh whole cosmic astrology thing yeah that's like from birth to death like well and i mean i know this song is about his love for a woman right yeah in theory but we don't know the gender of that baby the the chorus is you're my woman baby love maybe it's a woman maybe it's a baby woman a little woman baby okay <laughs> yeah it could be the point is though i guess this album is meant to encompass like so many different stages of life so many different emotions of life and i guess to put 
a human and a baby in the album cover there. I guess it kind of just is meant to further emphasize that. It's hard to tell if that's an old man or not. It kind of looks like he's got a beard. He kind of looks bald and maybe a little wrinkly, depending on the angle I'm looking at this. Yeah. Could be an old man and a baby, and then they're like, you know, the baby's upside down, so it's like a little circle of life sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, you can pretend we said all that when we talked about the album cover. We just didn't notice it until right now. We yeah. we said that was the moon. Also, if we hadn't shoehorned that in to be the moon, I mean, this song, Soul Chase the Moon, Oh Babe. I mean, we're there. It doesn't matter. That's true. <laughs> Whether we shoehorn it in or not, we're in our moon era. Yeah, I swear I'm not doing it on purpose. Well, so we've got through the two fast songs. I think it's much needed to slow down a little bit. And that comes in with After the Love Has Gone. Ballad Guy, you're up. What'd you think? Is this on the same level? Is it a different kind of thing than the first two songs? It's on a different level, just because it's not. It's a slow song compared to the fast-paced other one. But it's still got that same, like, there's still magic happening with the instruments. So true. It's so good. Especially that chorus. Yeah. After the love has gone. It's great. And actually, this is one where the lyrics are honestly not so bad. And I think it's because of of its slower nature that I can actually... Slow it down. You can actually get into the lyrics a little more. They're more of a focus. Yeah, you're not grooving along so hard. You just can't think about it. You're not too busy going ba-da-ba-ba-da with the trumpets. You're not overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the lyrics are awesome. You know, the song's all about what happens and the feelings that persist after a relationship fades away after the love has gone. Something happened along the way. Yesterday was all we had. After you let go. Yeah. How could you lead me on and not stay around? After the love is gone, what used to be right is wrong. Can love that's lost be found? It's great. Actually, the lyrics to this song came about by accident. Really? Yeah, they did not intend to write this song. David Foster was playing a song for Motown Records, trying to get a record deal, and he forgot the chorus of a song that he was singing right in the middle of performing. So he started to ad-lib some lyrics. And what he was singing turned into the chorus for this song. It just came out of him, just in, in a spontaneous, spur-of-the-moment thing. Once they decided to try and turn those lyrics into the song, they finished the entire thing in less than 45 minutes. Incredibly quick write. And incredibly successful write, too. This song peaked at number two for two weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. And it was a Best R&B Vocal Performance Grammy winner. 45 minutes to write a Grammy-winning song. It would be the first of 16 Grammy wins for David Foster. And actually, interestingly enough, this is the album's only track without contributions from Maurice White. I do love the sax solo at around the four-minute mark. Yeah. Oh, got to give it up for the woodwinds. Yes. They have their moment. They do. I honestly, I love so much about this song. The tender side, like, it's very nice. And some of the synth sounds that they use are unique, but not overbearing. Like, they complement the overall energy of the song really well. It's also really great musically. You know, there's this build into the chorus with back-to-back consecutive major chords, which is really just so rare and effective. And actually, the band called this one of the hardest songs to record, too. They said they would try six or seven times a day to try and capture the vibe that they were going for just right. But it only took once for them to nail it. And when they did it right, they said it sounded like earth, wind, and fire. Like they just knew when they hit the jackpot. That's fair. It's got to be a hard song to record. But man, is it beautiful. It's really an opportunity for them to let their feelings show. And they take that opportunity yet again on track five, let your feelings show. The funk comes right back. It's also super drummy. What do you think about Let Your Feelings Show and all those hand drums at the beginning? Baby. 
Maybe that's the baby on the cover. Oh, <laughs> maybe we're in our baby era. <laughs> it's just such a good song. Yeah, yeah, it's my least favorite of the four. That's fair. I mean, it's hard to beat the first two and three. Yeah. It's much more in the vein of Can't Let Go, but it's not as fast and it's not as intensely groovy, especially with the brass. It's a lot more percussion focused. I think musically, I mean, it's just so hard to follow up a song like After the Love Has Gone. Anything they did would have felt a little strange. Plus, this song is long. It's more than five minutes long. It's the album's longest track by like a 30-second margin. I don't know. How's that hit you? Oh, wow. I guess I didn't notice. Yeah, it feels long to me, mostly because there's not as much in-your-face-ness about it. I think the falsetto on the chorus is great, their vocals, but honestly, it's nothing new. They've done it before on this album, and they'll do it plenty more after. The standout part is really just that post-chorus breakdown, some of the fancy bass parts, and that's about it. I think it serves its purpose well as a transition piece between After the Love is Gone and the next track, another majorly famous Earth, Wind, and Fire hit, and that is Boogie Wonderland. The one that David Copperfield played. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, David Copperfield was on this one, played it magically unknown if he actually played on this one so he says so he claims famous deceiver (laughs) so who's who knows this is probably i think the most disco we've ever dared to go in 113 episodes how do you feel about disco just generally as a genre i like disco it's my one of my go-to dance moves is to do the little to the point thing yeah does that have a name it has to have a name it's become synonymous with disco in my head yeah what is that the disco dance (laughs) but disco is like a whole genre of, of dance what's the disco finger I guess it's just called the Disco Finger. There you go. Okay. It's also commonly referred to as the Travolta because of Saturday Night Fever. Oh. The point is, is quintessential disco. Well, this song makes you want to do the disco point. Allie Willis also commented on this song. She said, at that time, disco was all you heard, and it was a very positive-sounding stuff. So I think their concern was more that they do it very distinctively. And Boogie Wonderland is a very different kind of disco song. It's much more heavily orchestrated. Chord structure's different. Lyrically, it's certainly different. So I think they were happy to have something that could pass in that genre, but it wasn't really of that genre. It's unique disco, apparently. She also said that every song around that time had Boogie in the title. 1978 was a big year for Boogie, so they really wanted to play off that. And they did. Boogie Wonderland was an international hit. But it almost didn't belong to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Really? Yeah, it was actually written for another group called Curtis the Brothers. Not as good. Not as good. But Earth, Wind, and Fire actually played the instrumentals for them. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, the producers listened to the song and they were like, "Uh, okay, the instruments are pretty good, but Maurice White should probably be the vocalist on it. So they begged and they pleaded and he gave in and he eventually just did it for Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I know this was like the one song I knew from this album. Wasn't my favorite after hearing some of the stuff that came before it. No. No, same. Which is interesting because it's the Spotify most popular song. It's just the one that people know, but I definitely was in the same boat. I picked this album based on what I knew of Boogie Wonderland. I was like, oh, big hit. I want to know. Earth, Wind, and Fire, and what a better place to start than this big hit song that I already know. Well, boy, was I surprised. Uh, yeah. Color me surprised with almost everything else on this album. Boogie Wonderland is probably bottom two or three for me. Really? Yes. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> That's wild. Huh. I would have put it in my middle third, I think. Okay. I mean, I'm close to the middle third if it's at the top of my... I don't think it's my least favorite. Despite the song's happy sound and all the positive connotations of boogieing, it's actually intended to be a pretty dark song once you dig past the surface. These people are using dance and disco and bars as escapism. They're supposed to be an escape from the reality of their lives, and it's actually starting to eat away at them slowly. And again, the, the funk 
is just so strong that you get swept away from the lyrics almost right away. You never really pay attention. And I guess that's kind of a, a subtle reinforcement of that theme of escapism, using music to get away from your problems. But listen to the words. Midnight creeps slowly into the hearts of men who need more than they get. Daylight deals a bad hand to a woman who has laid too many bets. The mirror stares you in the face and says, baby, it don't work. You dance and shake the hurt. Which means dance, boogie wonderland, gets really dark. Like he's being transported and it feels like they're just stuck in this trance state that you can't get free of. And it's wild. I think it's easy to miss the dark side and upsetting interpretation because it's just so well disguised. But yeah, it's just the lyrics get so much of an afterthought here. And I think it's impressive, downright impressive that they can craft a song like this. Maybe it's one of the better executed songs on the album, despite being towards my bottom favorites. Yeah, that's true. And now let's talk about track number six, cruising through this nine track album, Star. Sure. Not the moon. Still astronomical, spacey. I like Star a lot. Starlight. Star bright. Yeah. Not to be confused with Shining Star, their other big hit. Different, but also great. Yeah. Star. I love the really, really cool synth right off the bat in this one. It's, it's almost like a lullaby, right? Like a little nursery rhyme song right away. Yeah. Well, I mean, it literally kind of is. <laughs> it's like backwards from the like traditional rhyme, right? Yes. And actually, that's pretty much what it's drawn from. Yeah. I mean, they sing Star Bright, Star Light, but it's what? Starlight, Star Bright, the first star I see tonight. I wish I may. I wish I might have the wish I wish tonight yeah it's like that have you ever noticed i feel like most of that poem has been used in other songs like reference right starlight star bright here i know i've heard the i wish i may i wish i might yeah but i don't know if i've ever heard the have the wish i wish tonight part you might be right i don't know why does that come up much why doesn't anybody finish it weird i don't know i think star is a great song it's just another example of their strong influence from all that you know all the celestial curiosities it's honestly a pretty chill song where like it's still funky but i think the music drops down to like normal levels to let the vocal melody be the standout for most of the song. A different balance, really, for the album, I think. I'll be honest, other than the chorus on this one, this one's probably in my bottom three. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I mean, again, with nine tracks, bottom three is, like, sensible. That still doesn't have to be too bad. I actually think the verses feel more poignant than the choruses. I think they kind of pull back on the choruses, and the verses are what I walk away remembering. No, yeah, I just, the choruses, the choruses catchy. Yeah, it's true. But the bridge, I I think the bridge is really good. They get their falsetto going again in a really powerful way. It's nice. I think Star, it's just a fun low stakes track. Another really effective transition piece, but I think it holds a little more water on its own merit than Let Your Feelings Show does. Do you want to move on to track seven or do you want to wait? Uh, yeah, let's wait. Okay, track seven is called Wait. (laughs) I see what you did there. (laughs) That was a trap. You trapped me. I did. (laughs) I've been trapped. I've been ensnared. I've been other synonyms for the word trapped. Bamboozled. It's not a synonym for trapped, but it's a synonym for what I did to you. Hoodwinked. Oh, good movie. We should watch that. I've never actually seen it all the way through. I don't think I've seen more than clips of it. That's neither here nor there. Wait is another... I did. I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I did. Different. Not even, not even close to this song. <laughs> Wait is another really emotional, moving ballad that I love so much. And honestly... Here's my hot take of the episode. I probably love it more than After the Love Has Gone. Is that a hot take? Uh, Wasn't the hot take I thought you were going to make. I was about ready to agree with you. I don't know if I agree with that one. Oh, what was your hot take? I liked it better than Boogie Wonderland. Oh, uh, yeah, that too. No, I think you're right. I think Wait's better. Yes. I guess Wait might take maybe isn't that hot then if we all agree. It depends on popular opinion. It's a hot Wait. (laughs) Yeah. 
there's just something about the rhythms on it. You know, they ebb and they flow just right. They hit on some interesting offbeats that really just scratches the itch for me. I love it. It also has a certain, like, determination to it that After the Love is Gone lacks. That one is, you know, noodly and sad. This one really asserts itself. Yeah. It, it makes a statement, even lyrically, when you're not necessarily listening. They say, I'm, I come prepared to walk side by side with you, baby. Like, you're prepared, you're ready, you're in it for the long haul. It's just an interesting concept, too. It's not a song of, like, wait for me or something. It's a song where he kind of says, I'm ready right now. Just wait and see how this ends. You're crazy if you think we're just friends. Things are inevitable between us. So wait for that to happen, which is an interesting angle. I also can't believe Wait is one of the shortest tracks on the album. It's like barely three and a half minutes, but it's so packed full of passion and moments. And holy key change, Batman. The end of this song... (laughs) goes off the rails and i love it so much we don't get many songs with key changes in them now i mean we talked about it i know on barry manilow for sure there were some key changes and michael buble probably but i don't know if there have been too many since those yeah i don't know and of course on any album by a band as instrumentally prolific as earth wind and fire it's always awesome to have an instrumental track in there and that instrumental comes in the form of track eight rock that i think the instrumental honestly this album needs it because they've just been stellar throughout. They deserve, I think, a major moment in the spotlight. The horns, the brass, the drums, everything comes out to play on Rock That a little bit. I do think, okay, I'm taking stock. I'm starting to order all my tracks now that we've narrowed some things down. (laughs) I think Let Your Feelings Show is my number nine, my bottom. I think Rock That is next to it. Yeah, there's a part of this song I really love, but... Well, part's not enough to carry it, necessarily. Yeah. But also they introduce some prominent electric guitars here, which is kind of cool and unique, I think. I know the band has had guitars there all the time, but they're never as in the spotlight as they are on Rock That. I think it's great. Oh, but yeah, I've got to continue reordering my my album. At the bottom, Let Your Feelings Show, then Rock That, then Boogie Wonderland, then it gets a little harder. It does. Probably Star, then After the Love Has Gone, then Wait in the Stone, You and I Can't Let Go, maybe? (laughs) I think I'm okay with that order. I don't know. It's tough at the top. But anyway, uh, at the end of Rock That, we get a nice smooth transition into You and I, another song that I love. You and I kind of walks a fine line between like a straight up ballad and a disco groove for me. I think it's a really nice midpoint for the album that leaves us with a little tiny bit of everything we've touched on so far for the record to bring it to an official end. You and I is a good song. I like it. It ends the record. In a satisfying way. Totally. I think it's because it walks that line well. It brings us back to that horn-centric vibe that the start of the album had. It's got that catchy hook, you and I. Yeah. And I think it also incorporates a lot of elements of previous songs, like the key changes, like the fun trumpet blats of yep. Can't Let Go, like the hits and the rhythm of weight. It's interesting. It's a little all over the place, and I like it. There are some really fun like major sevenths in you and I. Musically, I would almost call it my favorite it's in the running really it's in the running for my favorite musically Hmm. but i don't know if i can say definitively i just there's just a certain fluidity in the key changes in the rhythms it's really smooth in a way a lot of the other songs just aren't i just like it a lot it's two people living together grooving forever and you know also to the point sometimes it's good that we don't focus on the lyrics so much living together grooving forever that's a little bit of a drop off in quality (laughs) compared to some of the other things we've seen but There are also moments like really, really interesting lyrics buried in here. We must trust the dark for showing us the stars. We must trust the rain and open up our hearts. So it's like a total mixed bag 
But yes, it is a great end to I Am the Album. But we're not done yet. Like we mentioned at the very beginning, we've got one more song to talk about. Like I said at the beginning, I figured we couldn't do an Earth, Wind & Fire episode on the first day of September and not talk about one of their biggest songs of all time. That song, of course, is September. And I think I already mentioned, but just as a refresher, I couldn't pick an album that had September on it because the song was just a single. Yeah. It first appeared on their 1978 Best Of compilation album. I thought about it. I really just thought about doing the Greatest Hits album and ranking that, but I really don't love... Wow. I know. I don't love ranking Greatest Hits. I think it skews some of the scores. I'm dancing in my chair right now. (laughs) To September? Yeah. (laughs) It'd be weird if you weren't, I guess. But yeah, it's a great song. It was a huge, huge hit. I've got a lot of stats about it. It charted in more than a dozen countries around the world, hit number 102 on Billboard's Global 200 chart, and has gone more than six times platinum in the United States alone. This was actually, once again, coming back to comments by Allie Willis, it was the first song she co-wrote with the band, and she knew right from the very first guitar riff that it was going to be a hit. It's another happy song, unabashedly so, like overflowing with joy. But according to Maurice White, the idea for the song actually came about while he was in a Washington, D.C. hotel, and he heard a lot of protests going on below his window. And that's kind of what he says he based the song on. What's your favorite part of the song? I'm in the chorus. How do you not love the body? uh? Nah, you have to. It's true. And actually, yeah, that is the lyric. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things in place of body ah, but that's what it is. It's a nonsense lyric. Wait, do people think that's supposed to be a word? I've heard people try and fill a word in there. But Willis said, I absolutely could not deal with lyrics that were nonsensical or lines that weren't sentences, and I'm exceedingly happy that I lost that attitude. She said, you cannot leave body ya in the chorus. That has to mean something. Maurice said, no, that feels great. That's what people are going to remember. We're leaving it. And they left it, and it's great. She said, the main lesson that I learned from Earth, Wind, and Fire was never let a lyric get in the way of a groove. Oh, yeah. Which is, if that's not the lesson that you've learned from this entire album... That's just a perfect little chef's kiss tagline for this whole album. I know, which was why I was so happy that I found it to talk about in September. Don't ever let the lyric get in the way of a groove. Just let the groove groove. Let the lyrics come later. You know what? Let's just remove lyrics from your score ranking spreadsheet altogether. Replace it with groove. Well, I wish, but I can't quite do that. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Yeah. Yeah? What were you up to? Well, it was a 21st night of September. Yeah, it was. One, <laughs> it's a dark and rainy 21st night of September. Well, I don't know if it was dark and rainy. I just know it was a 21st night of September. I remember it well. <laughs> On the most recent 21st night of September, you might have been listening to OK Orchestra by AJR. <laughs> We were getting ready to record that episode on the 22nd. Ah, yes, I can see it clearly now on the 21st night of December. Not December, September. (laughs) It's different. (laughs) Santa was gearing up for the holiday, which I guess he might have been doing in the 21st night of September, too, because... I actually said that because I was staring at the lyric that is, um, uh, now December, found the love that we shared in September. Yeah, it's funny. Also, do you know why they picked the 21st night of September? Why? Well, for years and years and years, they maintained that the date was chosen totally arbitrarily, right? They just said, we like the way that it fit into the song. We like the sound of it. Yeah. We just picked it because that was what fit. Don't let the lyric get in the way of the groove. And then later they revealed that that is the night that they got into the time machine. No. Oh. (laughs) No, but there is actually, people just thought that that was what it was, but there really was significance to the date. In 2018, literally... Decades and decades after the song came out, 
Maurice White's widow revealed that he picked that date because it had been the due date for their son. Oh, it's like a secret little message hidden in this song. How cool, right? And now it's become iconic. You know, Verdine White has talked about the song's lasting impact on that date. He said people are now getting married on September 21st. The stock market goes up on September 21st. Every kid I know that's in their 20s, they always thank me because they were born on September 21st. And people even refer to the day as Earth, Wind, and Fire Day in a lot of places, rightfully so. I just love it. September is great. It would top everything on I Am for me. (laughs) I think. Fair enough. Yeah. Also interesting, Taylor Swift covered the song and did a very different arrangement of September with a guitar and a banjo and such, which was pretty wild. I listened to that for the first time in preparation for this episode and maybe a future episode. She saw the body yas. No, she didn't say body ya. I think she replaced it with something else. She let him get in the way of the groove. Of the groove. Yep. Well, I think it's time for final spin. I'm ready to get into scores. Does that mean Taylor Swift is now on the spin cycle because you brought her up and she did a cover of the song that we well, missed? Yeah, I suppose I suppose she is. Hmm. When does she officially enter the spin cycle? We've talked about her before. Well, according to you, she had to like guest feature on a song or whatever. Yeah, or cover a song that someone else we've done has done. Yeah, maybe this will officially Taylor Swift will enter the spin cycle today on episode 112. How about that? All right. Okay. Final spin time. I'm excited to hear your scores. I'm excited to give them. Uh, I have predictions. But I only give one score. Yeah, that's true. And for the record, too, my rankings and scores are just for the nine tracks that make up I Am. September is not factored into them at all. I just wanted to talk about it. So keep that in mind. Got it. So it's exempt from my top three from picking it for the playlist? Darn it. Yes. Wait, no, maybe not for the playlist. Whoa, 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 whoa. You don't get to pick it for the playlist if I don't get to pick it for my top three. No, I, oh, I meant it was exempt from counting against your top three. Oh, deal. <laughs> I, I took that in the year of healing direction. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. My scores. Music throughout this album is phenomenal. A lot of the things I think about the music, I've kind of attributed to the instrumentals. Phenomenal. This record was it, yeah. Because <laughs> some of the melodic parts, especially for the vocals, they do get a little bit lost in the shuffle. Not that I mind. Like I said, there's plenty of other stuff going on, but generally I'm giving music an 86. Lyrics, you have to dig. You have to focus if you want lyrics from this album because they're just going to pass you so fast you're just not even gonna know what didn't hit you (laughs) and when you do it is sometimes kind of a mixed bag but for the most part i think it's pretty solid generally positive reviews 83 on the lyrics instruments of production super great 92 no notes love it awesome and the overall vibe groovy funky honestly maybe a little short at nine tracks i kind of wish there was a little more i want more of it so i'm giving it a 90 which puts its overall score at 87.5 landing it at number 169 nice yeah i think that's a pretty solid outing all right as for me i guess my top three in reverse album order whoa we're mixing it up again going through the time machine oh well wouldn't the time machine mean you're progressing through the album in normal order as you come back to the present well no we're in the present i'm taking us back through what we just talked about oh we're like rewinding yeah in reverse album order september (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course even though that one came out as a single before this album was released (laughs) i mean whatever your time machine your rules (laughs) wait wait oh Mm -hmm. i think that's my surprise pick that really is 
This is a sleeper pick. I like that a lot. Connor will mention to After the Love Has Gone. Oh, huge jump. Yeah. Through the middle of the album. And since I have two picks left and that was track three and we're going backwards, I think that spoils the last two are Can't Let Go and In the Stone. Yeah, notable outright snub to Boogie Wonderland. I told you that even though it was the one I knew, it fell in my middle third, which means it only had one chance to make it in and it didn't. Yeah, definitely not a surprise. As for my score, I liked this album a lot. I think you knew I would. I did know you would, and that's why I put it in the year of healing. I'm going to give this one nine dry wells out of ten. I don't know. Did this fill your well back up? My well's overflowing right now with, with groove. <laughs> My well grooveth over. <laughs> My well is overflowing with <laughs> funk right now. I got one funky well. <laughs> Fantastic. As for my placement in my nines. That is important. Where are you going to put Earth, Wind, and Fire? Where does these funky horns, this big brass section, where's that going in the nines? Higher than Jazzy Duke Ellington? Higher than pedagogical Sufjan Stevens? I don't know. What do you think? If I'm you, if I'm guessing where you rank in this one, it's at least my absolute lowest, I think you'll put it, is above Bon Jovi. You know me so well. (laughs) (laughs) It's going right below Michael Buble. Okay, are you just saying that so I don't sound right? Maybe. Because right below Michael Buble is right above Bon Jovi. I just want everyone out there to know I nailed that. Yeah. Well, I just, I knew there was no way this would probably go above Michael Buble for you. That was a you pick. Yeah, but it was close. It was a tough call. Yeah, good. I'm glad. And we've got 10 to pick from here for the playlist. Sure do. Dare I say one of them must be September? Yeah, that's so ridiculous that we're picking something that's not on the album. Yeah, we straight up tacked it onto the episode, so I feel like it has to make playlists. Yeah, that's fair. Now, in the interest of, like, covering the scope of this album, September's obviously a very upbeat, like, disco groove song. I think we should kind of maybe tend towards more of the slower ballad type songs. Specifically, I'm thinking, wait, or you and I. I am all for wait. Why don't you want to pick it right now? <laughs> I just need a second to think it over. Meditate on it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm all for wait, too. I think that's a good combo. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. We've got September and we've got wait. So just you wait for September. You don't have to wait for September. It's September 1st right now. Yeah. It's here. But you do have to wait one more week for another episode of the Spin It Podcast. That is true. The time machine won't help you with that. It only it only goes backwards. You could build a time machine specifically to be able to get the next episode early. That'd be great. Please do that. That'd be... Please let us know how that goes because we haven't made the next episode yet. Well, we will. We will have by the time you've traveled to. Mm-hmm. Let us know how it goes. Let us know what you think. But yes... We got more episodes coming. If you want to stay up to date on all that kind of stuff, you can follow us on Twitter, X, at Spin it Pod, on Instagram, Threads, at Spin it Pod Official. They've each got too many platforms to name now. But if you're confused about all that, we're always on the web at www.spinitpod.com. And if you're looking for more Earth, Wind, and Fire, if you listened to this album and this episode and loved it like we did, I honestly, personally cannot recommend their earlier 1975 record, That's the Way of the World, enough. There you go. I was waiting on you to accidentally forget, forget the word enough there. <laughs> Just like, I can't no. recommend it. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> sorry. I can't do it. No, I can't recommend it enough. That's the one with Shining Star and Reasons and Yearning Learning and so many great songs. It's a lot of fun and a lot less... 1979 than i am so it's cool anyway all that is all that 
be sure to follow us, like, share, subscribe. Next week's episode, I swear, it's our most requested episode of all time. Wow. Ever. I know. Crazy. I wonder who it could be. Who could it be? Maybe it'll be someone from the spin cycle. Oh. Only the people with the time machine get to know for now. You have to stick around next week. But until then, keep keep spinning. spinning. Hey, should I save room for dessert? Or what's the deal with this rhubarb pie? Uh, Do you really want any of that rhubarb pie? No, not particularly. But if the mixtaper is bringing it to me anyway... I guess I should be prepared. Like, I don't want to eat, and then he'll show up, and I'll be like, oh, shoot, I just ate, and then he'll be, oh, but I brought you this pie, and then it'll be awkward. I don't know if you should eat it. You think it's a trick? No, not so much. I just think it's going to be bad. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just never can tell with those supervillains.